The Chris Hahn Show. America and welcome. This is the Chris Hahn Show. I'm your host, Chris Hahn. The truth is on the air and truthfully tonight, America, last day of August or one of the last days of August. And I am live and I am taking your calls at 631-451-1039. If you want to be part of the national conversation tonight, pick up the phone and give me a call. 631-451-1039 is my number 631-451-1039. I've got a big show tonight. A little later on, I got Julie Rojinski joining me. Uh, Julie, uh, old friend of mine from the Fox News days, and Julie's a good person from New Jersey, uh, knows a lot about national politics, uh, is a real smart woman, and I can't wait to talk to her a little later on tonight. But a lot to talk about. I mean, I'm going to talk, I think later on in the show, I'm going to talk a little bit about John McCain and uh, his passing. I think... uh, the nation's been focused on that for the last couple of days. Got bumped for my hit last Saturday night uh, on Justice with Judge Jeanine. Was sitting in the chair, ready to go, and I knew they were going to bump me. I got out of the shower, Mike, and I saw the news that John McCain had died. You know, it was soccer tournament weekend here on Long Island last yes. weekend. So, uh, by the way, Mikey B's back in the house tonight. Mikey B. What's going on? I don't have to produce the show and star in the show tonight. I got you on this one, bud. Oh, your mic's working. Good. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't sound like it is. It doesn't sound great. So I got Mikey B in the studio tonight. So I, I was, uh, you know, I got home from soccer, hopped in the shower. Uh, you know, I, I, I saw that John McCain had died. I, I emailed my producer over there at Fox and said, hey, uh, we bumped. No, we're still going. We're still going. We're just going to change the topic. You'll talk about John McCain. Like, why do they want me and Dan Bongino talking about John McCain? (laughs) It's not what me and Dan do. We yell at each other. That's our thing, right? We yell at each other in a playful way. So you didn't need two of us yelling about which one of us loved John McCain more, right? Uh, So so I'll talk a little bit about John McCain later on tonight. But I got to start with the president and his attorney general of the United States, Mr. Jefferson Beauregard Sessions. Who uh, those of you who stayed tuned after my radio show last last week and watched me on uh, the Ingram Angle? I did a I did a little hit right here from the studio, uh, Mikey. It was the uh, first time I've done one of those where you weren't here. Okay, uh, where they came in here with the cameras and I did my did my little TV thing right from here. I tried to shoehorn in my Hamilton reference, you know. Uh, uh, I said, I have never agreed with Jefferson Beauregard Sessions once. We have fought on like 75 different fronts, but when all is said and all is done, Jeff Sessions has beliefs. Donald Trump has none. I believe that, and I think it fits. Uh, and let me just be very clear, America. The oath that Jeff Sessions and all the members of the cabinet swear is to the Constitution of the United States. It is not to Donald Trump. So let me be clear. The oath is to Jeff Sessions and not Donald Trump. So, Mike, I don't think my uh, Comex is working tonight. I I think Comrex is down. I got a couple calls here. I can't see them, but I'm going to get to you in a minute. So hold on. Um, Donald Trump has said today that Jeff Jeff Sessions is safe until after the midterm elections. Now, here's my advice to you, Mr. President of the United States. Why don't you grow a pair? And if you really want to fire Jeff Sessions that badly, 
Fire him before the midterms so that the voters of this country can approve or disapprove of your actions with their vote. Remember how we were talking about Merrick Garland can't get confirmed to the Supreme Court because the voters should have a say? Well, I think the voters should have a say on the current Supreme Court vacancy. I also think they should have a say about whether or not you did the right thing when you fired Jeff Sessions. Grow a pair. You don't have the courage to sit down with Mueller. You don't have the courage to fire Mueller. You don't have the courage to fire Rosenstein. And you don't have the courage to fire Sessions. Because what's going to happen is the wave that's coming your way is going to be a tsunami. And you know it. And you got no balls. And you're not willing to take a chance here. And that's your problem, Mr. President. You like to talk tough. You like to act like you're this big, strong guy who's not afraid to rock the boat. Well, you know, if you're really that upset with Jefferson Sessions and you don't like the way he talks and you don't like the way he doesn't have an Ivy League degree, fire him. Fire him now. That's your catchphrase, right? You're fired. I doubt it. Anyway, let's go to the phones. 631-451-1039 is my number if you want to be part of the conversation. 631-451-1039. You don't have to agree with me to be part of this show. You know that. 631-451-1039. Let me go to Stephen Ridge. Steve, you're on the air. Hey, good evening. How are you tonight? I'm doing well, Steve. Thanks for calling in. All right. So uh, first, I want to say Jeff Session. Maybe... It would be time to go to an elected attorney general position in the United States. We do it for all the individual states. Why aren't we doing it for the uh, for the federal government? So not not a bad idea. We would have to amend the Constitution to do that, but not a bad. I'm not a, I'm not totally yeah. against that. I think we'd have to look into that. That way, that way, the people are electing the person who's going to be doing the prosecuting for the federal government. Not a bad idea. Also, also, and speaking of balls, um, I got to say, Chuck Schumer has a big set of balls politicizing the death of John McCain by wanting to name a building after him. Well, how is that politicizing? It's honoring him. It's honoring a man. It's honoring the man. You know, it's honoring the man who did the- he was gonna get. He knew he was he, You can try and talk over me. He knew he was going to get decisiveness. And the poor man has not even been buried yet. Let his family grow. Well, you know what? This has been in the works for a long time. The senator's been dying for a long time. I worked for Senator Chuck Schumer in his first term. We worked very closely with John McCain on several pieces of legislation. John McCain was a man who worked across the party, across the aisle. And even though I didn't always agree with John McCain, the man had honor and integrity. A hundred percent. And I have to say, uh, first, first off, we're all dying. But I have to say, that man is probably one of the toughest men I've ever heard of. And even though he was dying, he wasn't. Because whether he was there making votes, he was still there trying to put his uh, two cents in. That's worth more than two cents. Well, try and get well he, did, he did a lot of good things, Steve. I'm going to be talking about him probably in the 930 hour. I'm going to spend pretty much the entire 930 block talking about John McCain tonight but, and, and what he meant to but, this country and I, what's missing from this country right now. That I do think it is the wrong con to try and be bringing up honoring him with buildings and well all. i, I, I think, think now is the time you strike while the you strike while the iron's hot steve thanks for your call 631-451-1039 is my number 631-451-1039 uh if you want to be part of the national conversation i think steve look i mean uh there's going to be all sorts of honors of john mccain and believe you me uh, I'm, I'm sure that Senator Schumer had talked to John McCain about this before John McCain had died. And it's something that I think is very good to name uh, the Russell Senate uh, office building uh, uh, for John McCain. There are multiple co-sponsors on both sides of the aisle for this effort. Uh, and, 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 you know, Senator Schumer, as the minority leader in the U.S. Senate, 
uh, doing this is a very important thing to do. It's what John McCain would have wanted to do, and I'm pretty excited that the senator did. So I disagree with you, Steve, there. Uh, I don't think it got that much press, uh, but it was the right thing to do. The pre- uh, you know the senator was asked about it, so he 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 announced it. What are you going to do? 631-451-1039, 631-451-1039 if you want to be part of the national conversation. Je- look, Jeff Sessions. I don't agree with a lot of things Jeff Sessions is doing. I really don't. I, I think that uh, he has been gleeful in his support of the president's border agenda in a way that I find despicable. I think that uh, the way he is working to, he worked to separate children from their families at the border, his zero tolerance policy at the border, uh, the way they are trying to criminalize people seeking asylum, that all comes out of Jeff Sessions. In fact, I would say there has been no more diligent soldier in the Trump army in in, in instituting the president's agenda than Jeff Sessions. But that said, Jeff Sessions recused himself from the Russia probe. Rightfully so. Maybe there wasn't an actual conflict, but there was absolutely an appearance of a conflict. And when you are the Attorney General of the United States, the Chief Law Enforcement Officer of the United States of America, you are to avoid even the appearance of conflict. So Jeff Sessions' recusal was the absolute right thing to do. This has burned President Trump to no end. It has, without a doubt, been the biggest thorn in his side. Because by all other purposes, Jeff Sessions has been probably the president's most effective and impactful cabinet secretary in what he has done to, impl- you know, to, to, to really carry out the Trump agenda, which I greatly disagree with. But let me say something, America. Elections have consequences. And if the president wants to have a stricter border policy, that's what he ran on, and that's what he's doing. But that said, Jeff Sessions is doing the right thing by recusing himself and giving the Mueller investigation the room it needs to research what's going on uh, or what went on during the 2016 election. When it is very clear to everyone that the Russians meddled in our election. Now, the question is, did the president's team have anything to do with it? I, I for one, believe they did. And I think we're going to find that out. So the president had a really rough week last week. Um, It's a little quieter this week. But the president, his tweet storm today focused on this Russia investigation, focused on Jeff Session, the reporting coming out that uh, the president, uh, the, the, the president's staff are absolutely terrified of a Democratic takeover of Congress. And they should be. Let's be very clear here. The Republican-controlled Congress has abdicated its duty under Article 2 of the Constitution, excuse me, under Article 1 of the Constitution, to serve as a check on the executive power. There are multiple things that warranted an investigation of this president and his cabinet. Let's just talk about Scott Pruitt for a second, the former EPA administrator who resigned about two months ago. 
scandal after scandal after scandal when it comes to his condo, his remodeling and redecorating of his office, his security detail, which was as big or bigger than the Secretary of State. There's been no Secretary of the EPA that has warranted that kind of detail. Putting on lights so that when he goes to a restaurant, people know who he is and that he's arrived. America, the investigation of Scott Pruitt should have taken three weeks, should have been daily fodder for us to be talking about. Instead, the Republicans in the House did nothing. He did resign, ultimately, when scandal after scandal, it even became too much uh, for the president, the uh, constant drip of scandal. But even the Secretary of Interior and his dealings, our uh, Commerce Secretary and his dealings, what our Treasury Secretary, Steve Mnuchin, and his financial dealings and how the, the regulations that he's been offering benefit him personally. All these things should be looked into by Congress, and it's not being looked into. And then there's the White House, and there's the Jared and Ivanka security clearances, and there is... Just the president's own use of a personal cell phone, an unsecured cell phone. I mean, this is a man who ran for president touting or really basically running against Hillary Clinton's email use. And now we learn he uses an unsecured cell phone. There are lots of things that this Congress should be looking into that it is not. The Helsinki meeting with Putin, what was said in that room for two hours, why the president came out and basically held Putin's hand at that press conference. Don't you want to know the answers to that, America? I know I do. Anyway, 631-451-1039 is my number if you want to be part of the national conversation. I am live last day of August, 631-451-1039. Is it the last day of August or is there one more day? There's one more day. Tomorrow's the last day. Tomorrow's the last day. It's the Thursday night. It's the Thursday before the last day. It was hot today. Not as hot as it was yesterday. It's supposed to be nice tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039 if you want to be part of the national conversation this Thursday before Labor Day. 631-451-1039. Pick up the phone. A little later on, I got Julie Roginski coming, come, uh, calling in. She's going to be here uh, on the phone, Mike. She'll be, uh, she'll be calling in, Julie Roginski. Uh, good friend of mine. Haven't talked to her in a while. Um, and I'll be on, uh, Fox news Saturday night, uh, nine 30, my regular slot on justice with judge Jeanine Pirro. And I'll be on again on Tuesday, uh, next week on the Ingram angle, not Monday this week, Tuesday, because Monday's labor day and I am not working on Monday. 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039. Let me go to Jeff and talk it. Jeff, you're on the air. Hey, Chris, how's it going? It's going good, man. What's on your mind? Everything's good. I just want to, you know, I mean, you guys, just for once, I would like to see that the Democrats, since he's been in, you know, hasn't, he's never been a politician, but it's like, it's like, since he's been in, you guys would like to see, would rather see the country fail. Just so you can That's prove, not true. That's you know, not that true at all. Trump's, That's that not, Trump's that Trump's is not true country. at all. First of all, the, the country, the, first of all, you know, the Republicans love to talk about the economy. The economy's been on an upward trajectory since 19, since 2009, nonstop up, right? Real wages have actually shrunk 
under Trump. The stock market has grown dramatically, and there have been more jobs created, but there were more jobs created the last two years of Obama than the first two years of Trump. So let's be clear about that. Nobody wants to see the country fail. We could have a soaring economy, and we could have a president that follows norms and abides by law and order. I offer a challenge to you and all the Democrats to, to just give the president six months and support him, because if the president can get all the good things done, because you have to acknowledge that there has been a lot of good statistics and the numbers and 4% growth that we haven't seen in a long time. If, if I would want to see what would happen if everybody supports the president, you know, Jeff, how much better the country Jeff, would be? You know, six, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I don't remember. I don't remember the Republicans. First of all, when the president does something good, I support him and I say, yes, good job, Mr. President. And I'm sure if the president proposed a real infrastructure bill, like he said he was going to do, he would have democratic support for that. He hasn't done that because the Republicans won't let him do that. Uh, That said, I don't recall the Republican majority or even when they were in the minority supporting President Obama, even for a second, even when he proposed things that they had proposed prior. Right. Do you remember that? You remember you remember Mitch McConnell standing up and saying, let's support President Obama. Well, two wrongs don't make a right. Well, no, you're right. But of course, the president of the United States has not done anything worthy of support. Okay, he has backtracked on things that he said he would do that we would have supported, that Democrats would have supported. The president said he would do a real infrastructure plan. He has not. When the president passed tax relief, he said it was going to go to the middle class. It did not. It went to the top 1% of this country. President of the United States has not done things worthy of support of the entire country. And in fact, I don't even know how Republicans support this man when he has backtracked on Republican policies, particularly free trade, particularly deficit spending. The deficit spending on this, uh, by this president is dramatic. 631-451-1039 is the number. Let me go to Jim in Comac. Jim, you're on the air. Yeah, you made a comment that Obama created more jobs than Trump. He did. What kind of jobs did Obama? Look it up, create? baby. Look it up. There were more jobs. jobs. There were more jobs, Jim. What kind there, of jobs? McDonald's. The exact 7-11? same, Jim. The exact same jobs that have been created under this president were created under Obama. A mix of many different types of jobs. Jim, if you lose ten million jobs, Jim, then you get Jim, Jim, back. Jim, you make eleven million. Hey, Jim, jobs. get your news from someplace other than where I work. Okay, six three one four five one one zero three nine is my number. Six three one four five one one zero three nine. Jim doesn't want to believe that under Obama, the last eighteen months of the Obama administration, we created more jobs than under the first two years of the Trump administration. Jim also doesn't want to acknowledge that. Real wages have not increased under President Trump. And this is what we have to acknowledge. Okay? There have been jobs. There has been a great deal of wealth. Look, the rich in this country are doing great. If you're a corporation in this country the last two years, especially this last year with the tax cut, have been great for you. But if you're a working class American, like I'm sure Jim is from Comac, Real wages have decreased, and inflation on items like gas have taken any tax benefit you may have gotten. I mean, the cost of gas has gone up about 30% since Donald Trump has taken office. 
You may have gotten, I don't know, a $100 tax break if you make under, I don't know, $75,000 a year. You lost that in three Phillips. So what is that to you? How is that helping you? How is your life better under Trump? Yes, unemployment continues to decline. But remember, the president inherited an economy that had been a bull market economy since 2009 and had created hundreds of thousands of jobs every month since 2010. President Obama left him a 4.8% unemployment rate. Now it's gone down. And I will give the president some credit for that. But I will also blame the president if this economy ever sputters and falls. And it will be because of his mismanagement and his failure to follow the norms of being president that will cause our economic collapse. That's why we need a Congress to keep him in check, America. That's what you got to be asking all the time. All right. 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039 if you want to be part of the national conversation. I'm taking your calls. The other side of the break, you're listening to The Chris Hahn Show. Keep it where it's at. You can't ignore the truth forever, so listen up. The Chris Hahn Show. All right, I'm back. I am live, and I am taking your calls at 631-451-1039. If you want to be part of the national conversation, pick up the phone and give me a call a little later on. Julie Rojinski joining me, political analyst, uh, political strategist. She's done a lot in politics over the years, worked for many senators, and I believe she just worked on the successful Phil Murphy for Governor campaign in New Jersey. 631-451-1039 is my number if you want to be part of the national conversation. 631-451-1039 is my number. Let me just go back to this whole, why can't you just support the president for six months and see what he does? Blah, 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 blah. America, why can't the president reach across the aisle once? Like, why can't Donald Trump one time not just reach out to his stupid little base as if they are the only people that matter in this country. This is the first president ever, I'm sure ever, that has made no attempt to expand his base. His numbers, everybody's like, oh, his poll numbers have been fine, even after that crazy week he had last week. He has been at 41% in the real clear politics average. 41% approval, 52% disapproval, pretty much since the beginning of his presidency. It has not moved. 41 approve, 52 disapprove. Very little movement. 33% of the American people who support Donald Trump will never move from him. They are part of his cult. They are part of the people that will, will, will rise up if he ever is impeached. I doubt it. I doubt it. I really do. I mean, they always talk about, oh, they're going to rise up if you impeach Donald Trump. No, I don't, I don't think so. First of all, the Democrats are not going to impeach Donald Trump, America. Unless the Mueller report comes back and shows overwhelming evidence that gets half of the Republican Party on board in impeaching Donald Trump, there is no impeachment and removal of Donald Trump going to happen uh, after the Democrats take the Congress uh, in November. 
There will be lots of investigations, though, into the Trump presidency. And there will be a lot of accountability to people who have been doing a lot of bad things in this country. It seems to me that every day there's another horrible thing that the president's doing. Like uh, today we learned that the president is denying uh, passports to Americans who live along the border. Passport renewals even. Challenging their birth certificates. People who have lived in this country their whole lives who are American citizens with uh, Latino-sounding last names are being denied passports by this president. America. American citizens being denied the full rights of citizenship by this president. Despicable, disgusting, if true, impeachable, without a doubt. Of course, we'd have to get uh, 50% of the sheep and the cult to come with us before we could actually do it. You need 67 votes in the Senate to remove a president. 67 votes. So, no, I don't think that the Democrats are going to remove the president if they take Congress. But I do think they're going to investigate this president fully. And that needs to happen. He needs to be held accountable. Why can't the, why can't the Democrats just give him a chance? I, I Look, guys, go back to the videotape. Go back to my, my radio show from the Thursday after the election. I wished him well. I said, I hope you succeed, Mr. President. I hope you move this country forward. I hope you make this economy great. I was, I was, I wasn't, we're going to say I was with him, but I wasn't rooting against him. What has that president ever done to reach out to me or people like me? What has he ever done? When has he ever reached across the aisle and said, you know what? Here's something we can work on together. And followed through with it. I mean, it was a brief moment about a year ago when he met with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and they almost had a deal on the DREAM Act. And then, of course, the Stephen Millers and the General Kellys reminded him that his hardline base would not accept that. The Ann Coulters of the world, the Steve Bannons. No, 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 Mr. President. You have to... Appeal, appeal to the xenophobia of your of your base. Now, uh, now for those of you who don't know what xenophobia means, uh, it's kind of like racism. It's a fear, an unrealistic fear of people who are not like you. Kind of like racism. I mean, it's not necessarily racism. I mean, if you have a friend at work who's Latino, you're not going to judge them. But if you don't know the guy uh, who's Latino, or if they're a, um, I don't know. Uh, a refugee of some sort seeking asylum, you're going to have a fear of them unrealistically. In fact, the president has done everything to stoke that fear, that xenophobia. Every time he mentions MS-13, uh, a million mile, like in Indiana, like MS-13 is an issue in Indiana. He's in Indiana tonight. He's going to mention MS-13 at this rally. It's just, a, it's just a, a code word for, you know, those guys who are not like you. And the president's hand-picked guy in Florida, can't remember the guy's name, he is running for governor, and he's running against an African-American named Gillum. And of course, they're already 
using the dog whistle in that ca- in that case where the congressman who's running for a governor now on the Republican line said, we better not monkey it up. What do you think that meant? What was that supposed to mean, America? I'll tell you what that meant. That meant, that meant a racial dog whistle to the president's xenophobic and sometimes borderline racist supporters. And I'm not, America, I'm not calling all of them racist. I'm not calling all of them xenophobic. I'm just saying most of them. Not all, most. I'm sure there's some, as the president said about Mexican, I'm sure there are some good people in there. I'm sure there are some 401k Republicans who are just looking at the stock returns and saying, great. I don't care if the president has an authoritarian streak. I don't care if the president colluded with the Russians. I don't care if the president hired his daughter and his son-in-law to top positions in his office. I don't care about any of that stuff, that banana republic nonsense. Sure, there are some of them. I'm sure there are some of them that are just in it for their 401k and their tax cuts. And there are, of course, some of them that are in it for their crazy right-wing judges who uh, want government so small it fits inside a woman's vagina and uh, you won't regulate the water or the air, but you better not have sex with a condom. Not in America. Not in Trump's America. Speaking of sex without a condom, Mike, all this talk about the National Enquirer, <laughs> you're laughing at this rant, yeah, right? Yeah, I am. All this, this is on my end. My headphones are screwed up. All this talk about the National Enquirer, mm-hmm. don't you really want to know what they got on them? They have something. I, there's got to be a couple of kids out there with crazy hair. And orange skin, <laughs> right? There's got to be some. There's got to be a few we There's don't know about. Probably don't know about. Yeah, eighties were a crazy time. Yeah, know? and there may, you know what? And 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 for my right wing nuts out there, there might be an abortion or two in there too. Yeah, I would say most likely. That's <laughs> what I'm hoping for. I mean, you know, I mean, I would, I would I that's the, the thing he's that really one. worried about. Because I think if we found out that Donald Trump had like five or six illegitimate kids running around. As long as he was supporting them somehow, exactly. I don't think yes. anybody would care. But God forbid he got rid of, you know. Right. But an abortion that he paid for. Now, that's something that's going to screw him up with the base, don't you think? <laughs> I know. It's, 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 He'll have it's to right. say he repented. or yeah. something. But yeah. I'm on your side now. But back then, he was a Democrat. so you know. Yeah, well, you know, here's the thing. It doesn't take a lot. And everybody asks me, why do you keep going off? I'll tell you why. It doesn't take a lot. If I could sway 1% of the Fox News audience that he's an idiot, I've won. I don't have to to convince 100%. 1%. And let me tell you something. I'm sure... I've convinced 1%. I get emails, I get texts, I get a text, I get I get messages online from different social media platforms. I'm sure I'm convincing 1% of the Fox News audience that the president is a maniac and he at least deserves scrutiny by Congress. I'm sure of it. But if the president if in that National Enquirer safe of all the dirt and there's an abortion in there, that's going to hurt. That's going to be more than 1% of his right-wing Christian base. That's going to be about 25%. Mike Pence 
cannot save him from that. Jerry Farwell Jr., Franklin Graham, all these sheep that are bang at the false idol of Donald Trump will not be able to save him. Oh, we got some action on this one. They won't be able to save him if there's an abortion in there. Now, I'm not saying there is, and I'm not hoping that there is. Well, maybe I'm hoping a little bit. But if there is, I got to know, right-wingers, I got to know, are you still with them if there is? 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039. I got Julie Roginski joining me, top of the hour. Big time strategist, good friend of mine. We were hired at the same time, same day, same press release in 2011 at Fox News. 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039 if you want to be part of the national conversation. That's what we've got to find out. What's in that big safe? What is in that safe that would make you turn against this man? What if he's a socialist? What do we find out that he, 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 he uh, you know, used to attend socialist meetings somewhere in Manhattan with, you know, Woody Allen or something? I don't know. 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039 if you want to be part of the national conversation. I mean, I think, what's the matter? That person didn't want to talk to me. They just wanted to talk to you. Yeah, they want to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I let them speak. So they, 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 grief out, they grief out on me. So That is funny. That is funny. That's probably like some... Some Pentecostal that just didn't want to like say. No, no, he goes pretty serious. What? Six three one four five one one zero three nine is the number. They don't want to talk to me. They don't want to know. They don't want to go in the air and say, "Well, yeah, I'm going to defend him if he had an abortion." Not that if he had an abortion, if he, if he forced an abortion, I don't know, forced or paid for or whatever. Because I, I think we all expect that he has other kids, right? I think we all expect that somewhere out there. There is another set of Trump kids that we don't know about. That's probably baked into the cake. Maybe he loses a couple of votes, but I don't think anything substantial. Baked into the cake. But an abortion, I don't know if that's baked into the cake. I don't know if that's baked into the cake. Let's see. 631-451-1039. Let me go to John in Medford. John, how you doing? Welcome back. What are you talking about? You're talking about, you're not even talking about what's going on. You know, you ever heard of Bruce Orr? You mean you want to get rid of the guy whose who's, who's job it is to prosecute the Russian mob? That's why the president wants to get rid of him, because he's doing the bidding of his Russian mob boss, Vladimir Putin. The guy stole false information to Christmas. No, no, he did not. He did not. And that's why when he, when he testified behind closed doors... To the Senate. Yeah, the real, real news is that, you know, the collusion in the Obama administration. So, John. 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 People turn out good with all these people. John, I don't know if you're a... Uh, That's what I'm saying right this now. Guy, this guy never wants to let me talk. He just wants this filibuster and here. Hey, blah, blah. He's like, I think like the Trump people He's call, slow down. He call, they call John up and say, hey, call this guy. He's making too much sense. Could you just disrupt his program for me? Just disrupt. Call and disrupt. I don't know. I'm going to leave him on hold for a little while. I'm going to talk about him. Maybe he can hear me. I don't know. Can they hear me when they're on hold? Yes. Okay, good. So he can hear me while he's on hold. So he knows I'm talking about him right now. Yes. Let me just answer your question about Bruce Orr and his wife. 
They are two people who have spent their entire careers prosecuting Russian mobsters. Okay, two of them prosecuting Russian mobsters, both foreign and domestic Russian mobsters who have been interfering in U.S. politics and business. And that is why the president hates Bruce Orr and his wife. Has nothing to do with the fact that she works at Fusion GPS. She's only worked there for a short period of time. Has nothing to do with it. Has everything to do with what happened in that two-hour meeting that we know nothing about in Helsinki, Finland. Okay, John, you're back. Uh, that is so full of baloney. <laughs> That's it. I'm hanging up on John. <laughs> full of baloney. I am actually full of baloney. I did have some baloney earlier today. Uh, boar's head. Uh, it was delicious. Very underrated. It is not. Is not a. If, you know, boar's head baloney not a bad thing. Back in the day, that's the only cold cut I would eat for <laughs> exactly. a long time. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. Things changed. Things changed a little bit. I'm a little full of baloney right now. I don't know. And gyro. <laughs> Uh, 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039. No, I, I want to know what's in the safe. I think I'm going to spend a lot of time over the next year talking about the contents of that safe. Because whatever it is, is going to come out. It is not something that's going to stay hidden forever. It is going to come out for sure. Because we all want to see it. Inquiring minds want to know. I want to know. You want to know. We all want to know what's in that safe. And we all have a right to know what's in that safe. Because when a politician goes out of his way to pay somebody off, to keep things out of an election, and by the way, breaks election laws and maybe even banking laws to do it, I think it's all going to come out. I think, by the way, that Mueller already knows what was in that safe. And it's going to come out, America. There's going to be a report. And we're going to find out. What can happen to make you leave that man? That's the question I keep asking. A lot of people out there love this guy so much. If he shot somebody on Park Avenue, they would still be with him. I honestly believe that. I got to know. I got to know what will make you leave him. 631-451-1039. Let me go to Michelle in St. James. Michelle, I think you've been on before. How you doing? Yeah, I was. And then you uh, told my... uh 19-year-old daughter that she didn't know what she was talking she about. She didn't know what she was talking about, and she, she cursed. Michelle, your daughter cursed on the air. Yeah, well, you didn't put her on the air. No, I did. But she anyway. cursed. I had to drop her. She cursed. She used the F-bomb. She dropped an right, F-bomb. Right. Listen, listen. I, Michelle, I wait, 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 wait. Do me a favor. Uh, I mean, 19, what? you really can't wash their mouths out with soap anymore, and I'm all for foul language, just not over the FCC airways, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she, she was going to call you back, but she couldn't get through. <laughs> well, she but anyway, the, the phones me, were busy let me that just night. Say something. Yeah, I, mean, I, I know because you were so wrong what you were saying about but what. Anyway, how you were talking about the socialists and all that. But let's talk about today. Yes. You're talking about Donald Trump right now. I'm talking about that vault, Michelle. What in that vault? vault. Hold on. What in that vault would make you leave him? We voted for him. 
knowing he had all these secrets. What if there's something really dark in there? Like what? You're caring about an abortion that happened like 20 years ago? Well, what if it happened five years ago? How, how, what's the, what's the statutes of limitation? Okay. Okay, Let, let's talk about the other running mate. Who, Pence? No. There's some things in his closet we got to find out too. The other running mate was Hillary Clinton. No, 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 no. Michelle, we're done with that. We're done with the Hillary thing. This is not a debate about the election. This is a debate about the election happening in November. Don't you think we should have a Congress that provides a check on this president, Michelle? I mean, this is the thing. Can we talk about Hillary? You know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Michelle and her mom, they are exactly the same. I wish them well. I'm not saying bad things about either one of them. I'm sure they're lovely people other than their politics. (laughs) But they just want to call up and change the subject. No, no, no. I'm talking about Donald Trump, Michelle. I'm not relitigating the 2016 election. Donald Trump's the president. We all accept that that election's over, okay? We all accept it, Michelle and Ashley from St. James. Who are big fans of the Chris Hahn show, by the way. Huge. They are huge fans of this show. Send me an email. I'll, I'll, I'll send you an autograph photo of, of Mike B. Okay? I don't do autograph photos of myself, but I'll send you an autograph. Michelle and Ashley, if you send me a stamped self-addressed envelope. I just got my new face shot. I'll, I'll, send, you, I'll send you Mike's headshots for the Pittleman Show, Sunday night, 730. Ooh, am I allowed to say that? <laughs> Good thing we have time. Now I'm just like Ashley. You see what happens? Sunday night, 730, the Biddleman Show. Don't miss it. It's good stuff. Talking music. I've been like into Taylor Swift the last couple of days because of my 11-year-old. What's up? I've been listening to too much Taylor Swift the last couple of days because of my 11-year-old. Hey, man, there's nothing wrong with that. I got to tell you something. Good. That song, she's 22, good. is a good song. She's a, she's a good artist, bro. There's it's not bad. She's, there's a reason why she's, she does what she does. You know? There is. All right, I got Julie Rojinski joining me on the other side of the break. 631-451-1039 is my number. I'll take your calls at the bottom of the hour if you want to talk about John McCain, because that's what I'm talking about in the last half. But Julie Rojinski joining me at the top of the hour. You're listening to The Chris Hahn Show. Keep it where it's at. Conservatives crazy since the day he was born. The Chris Hahn Show. All right, I'm back. I'm live. I'll take your calls at the bottom of the hour at 631-451-1039. Don't forget, catch me on Saturday night, my regular spot with Judge Jean Pirro, and then Monday night, 10 o'clock uh, on Ingram. Joining me right now, though, a good friend of mine, Julie Rojinski. I haven't talked to in a long time. I always loved her view on politics because, quite frankly, it's a lot like mine. We both worked in the U.S. Senate a little bit. We worked on some campaigns. Uh, and we're both kind of making our way through kind of the, the media consultant kind of world. Julie, how you doing? I'm great. It's so great to speak to you. It is awesome. I mean, I, I, I have been missing talking to you. You and I used to have such great talks about what's going on in this world because we both you know, had our foot in the conservative media world. So we saw this alternative universe where up is down, down is up. You know, people were just crazy, believing conspiracy theories. And we always used to think back in the day that, oh, it's just conspiracy theories. It's just fun. It's just for TV. And now 
It's in the White House. <laughs> <laughs> and then that guy got elected. Who would have thought? Who would have crazy green? Remember those crazy green room conversations? And then all of a sudden, that guy got elected. Yeah, yeah. I had a couple crazy green room conversations with that guy. <laughs> exactly. It's that like, guy. That guy was at our old network a lot. He I sure. Agree. He sure was. <laughs> so you know, I mean, here we are. We're in this. We're in this moment where I. I mean. I know that I have never, I've never been one of those people who said, this is the most important election of your lifetime. I did not believe that in 2008. I definitely did not believe that in 2012 or 2016. I really do believe it now. (laughs) So, you know, I agree, except for maybe 2020, which may be even more consequential. But since we're going in chronological order, I would say this is so far the most you know, I think that if the Democrats win the House and they play their cards right, he won't run in 2020. If they if they go in there and they say, oh, let's impeach him because that's what the base wants us to do. We're doomed. <laughs> OK, we're absolutely doomed. Uh, we could we could do worse things to him than impeach him. I don't know if you're familiar with the movie The Princess Bride. Uh, my, my favorite movie. Are you kidding? I well, love The Princess Bride. Well, remember at the end where Wesley and the prince are having the, uh, the, the he's, he's threatening the prince to, to duel him and he goes, to the death, and, the prin- and Wesley goes, no, to the pain. Yeah. I'm going to cut <laughs> off your finger and then I'm going to cut yeah. off your arm and then I'm going to cut off your, you know. He can't move when he, yeah, he's faking him out. Right, right, that. to the pain. No, your perfect <laughs> ears will hear the children screaming <laughs> yeah. when you walk by. If we try to kill him and we don't, which by the way, we won't because no Republicans going to come along for the ride and you need at least 30 of them in the Senate, 20 of them, uh, you know, we are doomed. We are going to be absolutely doomed. And he will be president again. So we've got to cut off a finger, cut off our toe, make it so (laughs) painful that he doesn't want to be president anymore. Do you want to Diego Montoya him? Yes, we want to. We want to Diego Montoya him. (laughs) You killed my father. Prepare to die. (laughs) You know. So I actually don't disagree with you. Look, impeachment is something that I take very seriously. Right. Just impeach somebody because uh, you know Clinton's impeachment was ridiculous. Right. Obviously, neither of us was around for the Johnson impeachment. Right, no, no, we don't go back to 1863, but 65. But um, I will say I agree with you on the impeachment part of it. Uh, I just want to get to the bottom of what's going on. There's so many things going on. Look, there's the Russia stuff, which is one thing. There's tax tax returns, which is another. There's the Trump Foundation. And, you know, the threat to the president, I think, is not so much Congress. The threat to the president is the New York Attorney General. Oh yeah, who's um, because that's he can't pardon anybody who's been indicted by the state or right. has been convicted by the state. Right. Um, he can indict pretty. Much, I mean, he can pretty much pardon except for maybe himself. He can pardon anybody else. So if you're Paul Manafort or somebody else, you really have no interest in cooperating. Right. Right. But you know, he. He's got problems that I think extend beyond Russia and extend beyond other issues that people keep focusing on. I'm not sure that Robert Mueller is going to be the end of him. I think Robert Mueller will send a report to Congress. I think Republicans will ignore the report. I think you're absolutely right. They'll completely ignore it. And and yeah. the Democrats will so, go crazy about it. And there'll be like two weeks of, of news about it. And then that'll be it. 
But since we are here in New York, and people who are listening around the country don't know this, but we all do New York, the Democratic primary for Attorney General is September 13th, yep. which is a week from Thursday, and uh, or I guess two weeks from today. And that person will have more of a role in bringing down Donald Trump, I believe, than anybody in Washington. And and by the way, it's it's a it's a under the radar race, right? I mean, there's been virtually no coverage of it. I've seen very yep. few ads uh, from any of the candidates on television. I mean, there's been a couple. Uh, I'm told Letitia James is the the person to beat. I haven't seen any ads from her. Um, you know, I guess she's she has got, not been the one to get the important. Yeah, she's not been the one to get the endorsement from the papers, though. Right, right, right. I mean, that that's going to Alicia Eve and um, uh, Congressman. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Dan Patrick Maloney. Uh, no, actually, tr- um, truth out, teach out, truth out. Zephyr teach out. Zephyr teach out. Zephyr teach out. Yeah, um, she got the time, but she got the Daily News. But um, the reality is, whoever it is, whether it's Letitia James or, or Sean Patrick Maloney or her or whoever it's going to be, um, that person is going to have much more of an influence over. Donald Trump's state that I think anybody else will in Washington. Interesting, 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 interesting. Of course, if the Democrats have subpoena power, uh, there'll be some interesting hearings in Congress, unlike the ones we've had the last couple of months, which have been basically dog and pony shows to just prop <laughs> up the president. When Devin Nunes went on, his, went on a secret mission to London to try to figure out why, the, why MI6 was screwing Donald Trump, as opposed to why they were actually cooperating against KGB. Right, 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 right. It's funny how those two things seem to be the same thing, right? I mean, they're all going after this guy, Bruce Orr. And the reason why he's going after Bruce Orr is because Bruce Orr is is the guy at the FBI that goes after the Russian mob. And That's what kills me. You know, I said that on Twitter today. So Bruce Orr has done more probably to expose and bring down the Russian mob. And let's be very clear, there's not much of a difference between the Russian mob and Vladimir Putin. So in other words, if you're in the Russian mob, you pay a tribute to Putin. Yeah. You get to cut of all of it. Putin's the head so, of the Russian mob. I, I always yeah, I always so make that point course. whenever I bring up the Russian mob. There is no Russian mob. It's not like here where there's some guy in a tracksuit living in Staten Island. No, Putin's no, the head of the is, Russian mob. No, no, no. This would be like if Tony Soprano were president. Right. So, exactly. Bottom line, you know, what Trump is doing for Putin, whether knowingly or unknowingly, and I'll let other people judge whether he's doing this knowingly or not, is by taking out Bruce Orr, he's essentially taking out the guy that's trying to expose where all of Putin's money is hidden, where the Russian mob is laundering its money. Don't forget, Vladimir Putin's allegedly the most wealthy person on earth. Right. He didn't get that way, making a salary. Right. Whatever the Russian president makes. <laughs> right, right. Whatever right. the Russian president Supposedly earns, he's worth $100 billion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's literally I mean, the, the richest man on earth. So, uh, you know, Oleg Deripaska, who was very, very close to Paul Manafort, I think to this day the reason Paul Manafort is not cooperating is not because he's hoping for a pardon, but because he's too scared of Oleg Deripaska and other people right. in Russia who have something over him. Right. Jail jail is probably the safest place on earth for him. Well, he's got to stay quiet or they're going to kill him. Well, that's my point. Right. <laughs> he's not, I'm not so sure he's being quiet because he's trying to protect Donald Trump. I think he's being quiet because there are people who are out to get him. Who right. Are much more powerful than Donald Trump. Um, 
you don't want to end up with any polonium and some, you know, right. Virginia right, right, right. You don't want to die like that guy in London, you know, frozen <laughs> right. on a park have bench to, with your yeah. daughter. Right, or have some bad sushi. But, he, you know, that's the problem. The problem is that everything the president does, whether willingly or non-willingly or knowingly or not knowingly, it's obviously willingly, but knowingly or not knowingly, is feeding into this whole concept of why are we helping out the Russians? Why are we helping? Not just the Russians, but the Russian people are suffering under Vladimir Putin, so it's right. not an anti-Russia thing. But why are we helping out this man who has caused more pain and more grief in the world than anybody else? What's going on in Syria is all down to Vladimir Putin. What's going on in Eastern Europe is all down to Vladimir right. Putin. It's all because um, the president is is really only loyal. I mean, he's been loyal to nobody but Vladimir Putin. And that's probably and, because Vladimir Putin has been funding the guy for probably the last 15 years. You know, I have to say, everybody thinks there's some sort of, he's got something on him, like there's a P-tape or there's some, you know, weird secret thing. I don't think it's that. I think legitimately this is a president who's gone bankrupt so many times. Yeah. American banks will not lend to him. Yep. And ultimately, you've got Russians who will lend to him, or Deutsche Bank, which the Russians have a lot of influence over, that will, who will lend to him. And it's nothing more or less than he's just got financial leverage over him. Wow. You know, it, it's, always, it's just always the same refrain, follow the money. By the way, I'm talking to Julie Roginski. Check her out on Twitter, at Julie Roginski on Twitter. And she's got a, a new show called Salty Politics, where she kind of... In real time, I know real time, but uh, but responds uh, to the tweets, the angry tweets. I, I respond to that sometimes on my radio show, angry tweets that people do on me. I, I get a lot of those angry tweets. I'm sure you know you and I, who are uh, progressives, who have been going on conservative media for the last decade. Um, right. You know, it's it's a uh, it's a privilege to read our tweets sometimes from some of these wonderful people. But the funny thing is, is that when we when we actually meet them in public. They're always nice to me. <laughs> They're always so nice. You know what's so funny that you say that? I went to the Republican convention back in 2016 with Fox, and it was pretty much the only time in my life where getting down the street was hard because people wanted a picture, they wanted an autograph. Right. But you guys hate me. You send me awful tweets all the time, and it didn't really matter because... As the, long as they see you on their favorite channel, right. they don't really care. The only time I am ever treated like a celebrity is when I'm around Republicans. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I agree. Republican exactly. conservatives treat me I like agree. a celebrity. And it's it's and, it's and, petty. I, and I live in and I live in the Upper West Side, so you can imagine how nobody treats me like a celebrity around the first five years I was on Fox, I was, you know, living in New York and, and, and being on Fox, I got recognized maybe in five years, five times. And then I went to the Super Bowl in Indianapolis. <laughs> I got recognized every five feet. I hear you. <laughs> Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio was the highlight of my celebrity life, which is kind of pathetic. Uh-huh. But it had not, and, and, and by the way, not when I was in Philly for the Democratic Convention. And, and that, that's why, like, I get into these fights with conservatives who are saying, oh, Oh, these liberal groups are protesting me. I got into a little battle a couple of weeks ago with Charlie Kirk and um, what's her name? Candace, uh, what are Owens? Uh, And, and, you know, they were saying that they were protested in Philadelphia. And I was like, how did they even know it was you? I mean, give me a break. They're going to follow you into a a nondescript diner. I'm like, you made this up. You know, this is all AstroTurf. You 
paid these people to come out here and protest you. It's nonsense. <laughs> you, want see, you, you want to see protests? You check out our Twitter feeds whenever you right. have I mean, I have That's the nastiest, e- I get the nastiest <laughs> emails and Twitter things at, at anybody in my life. But then when I meet somebody on the street, they can't be nice. They couldn't be. They will. Could you sign something for me? I'm like, <laughs> sure. Agree. Nice talking to you. Try to agree, agree with me once in a while. Love Chris. Like, yeah. It's nice talking to you. Now, please don't go back to your hotel room and start tweeting yeah. awful things at me. They always seem to say the same thing to me. They say, "Yeah, I they agree. say uh, we 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 love seeing you on Fox. We don't agree with anything you say. It's kind of <laughs> like it's kind of like that scene in um, Blazing Saddles when the little old lady brings the sheriff the pie. <laughs> yeah. You will have the yeah. good decency not to tell anybody <laughs> I gave you this, right? Totally. <laughs> that, that's what it's like. <laughs> I don't even, uh, so exactly. I'm really looking forward. I have to catch out. I have to check out Salty Politics. I gotta, you got to invite me on one day. I'll come on. We'll, we'll read our tweets. Politics. We will compete for who the worst tweet is. No, no, no. Salty Politics is fantastic, and you can catch it on YouTube, and it's great. And we're about to launch a podcast called Saltier Politics, where we're actually going to start interviewing people. And you are, my friend, coming on all the time, and we could have a much, much lengthier discussion about all of this stuff and everything else we want to talk about. And by the way, anybody listening, they want to tweet at me. Tweet me something original, and I will bring it up in Salty Politics, I promise. There you go. There you go. And you can see that on YouTube, Salty Politics. We'll plug it again at the end of this, at the end of this block. But let's get I back. I appreciate that. Let's get back to politics, uh, yes. actual 26, 2018 midterm election politics. I, am, I, for one, am terrified, absolutely terrified, Julie, that we are going to mess this up, that the Democratic Party is going to mess up these midterms, and the Republicans are going to have like a one-seat majority in the House. All right, so I have to say that after I would go on Fox News every day and laugh at every Republican that would say Donald Trump would win, that I'm out of the prediction business. Right. Uh, Me too. But but I will say this. um, We are either going to lose the House very narrowly or or we'll win it in a landslide. Um, And because there's too many, if you look at the actual numbers and you look at modeling, you look at polling. Right. you look at the fact that too many of these seats are within the margin of error. They could go one of two ways. And the reality is either we come up a few seats short or we'll win 40 seats. Hmm. Uh, but it's not going to be anything in between. Although I can't say that because I was assuring everybody that Hillary Clinton would win. So don't, <laughs> don't go by me. Uh, I, look, I was I, right there with you. I was like, Hillary's yeah. going to win. I was so you know sure of it. You have no idea. Yeah, of course, we all were. So, um, but I think it's hard to say. I mean, gerrymandering has a lot to do with what's going on. It's still a fairly gerrymandered, yep. still Republican gerrymandered yep. um, map. The Senate is obviously a lot more difficult for us, but, you know, there's, there's, there's two schools of thought. And the second school of thought is if Trump keeps both houses of Congress, makes the reelection that much harder. Yeah, makes it because very the frustration gets so much harder. But you know, look, it, if the Democrats get the House back, then that becomes a problem for him. But I, I still have to say, I keep going back to this. You know, congressional hearings are congressional hearings. People go to their battle stations. People have their views on whatever they have their views on. Right. I still believe to this day the biggest problem for him and for his children and for his foundation is not the Southern District. It's not Robert Mueller. 
it's the New York Attorney General, it's that person, whoever the next Attorney General is. Yep. It really has the courage to do the right thing and investigate it. I mean, they could subpoena his state tax returns. They could subpoena the Trump Foundation stuff, Trump College, Trump, you know, Baca, all this stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, and you look at this this lawsuit that the attorney general of, of New York State has brought against his foundation. Yeah. I mean, all this talk about the Clinton Foundation, oh, the Clinton Foundation during the campaign. Well, the Trump Foundation was basically used as his personal piggy bank. And it's yeah, of course. nonsense. Of course. And look, I, I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not going to pretend to play one on TV or on the radio. But I will say that it just stands to reason that any... Anybody who cooperates with the Attorney General of New York doesn't have to worry about getting pardoned or not pardoned, as opposed to anybody who cooperates with the federal government, who the president ultimately has complete power to pardon. Right. I understand is the law and is in the Constitution, but we should really do something about that because that's giving uh, this no bless oblige or, you know, this, this, this very weird monarchical. The king gets to yeah. sentence is, is is bizarre, and I've and I've always thought that I thought that back to Mark Richard Bill Clinton. This is not a Donald Trump thing for me. Yep. Um, but it's you know the there should be some check the on the president's part. Of, of course, and, and the president is not above the law, and the president should have no more power to pardon or not pardon anybody than anybody else. Right. Right. Um, but having said that. The way the law is written today, I think he has much more to fear from Jeffrey Teachout or Sean Patrick Maloney or Tisha James, whoever you know, whoever the yep. next attorney general is going to be. Going to be an interesting, going to be an interesting couple of months in politics around here, and and the president, it seems by the day, is getting uh, more and more manic when it comes to uh, his reaction. If you look at his Twitter. You know, his Twitter feed today, I, he must have tweeted like 30 times today. He was tweeting every you two know, minutes. I mean, does, when I does it work? Tell you, I got to tell you, that actually worries me more than anything else because you're talking about a guy who was fundamentally becoming unhinged. Yeah. And I don't care if you're a supporter of his or not. This is just not the way the leader of the free world behaves. Yeah. He is, he is in charge of foreign policy, domestic, I mean, uh, you think about the responsibilities of the president, and if you look at every president we've had heretofore who's aged 20 years in the four to eight years that they've been in the White House, it is because the responsibility and the greatness of the gravity of of their office is so huge. When do you have time to tweet? Well, this guy doesn't start his day till 11 a.m., and he ends at 4. Well, he's got executive time. Well, of course, because Fox and because Fox and Friends isn't over by nine. And, right. You know, you got to watch the market newsroom. And right. He's got to listen to Kilmeade's radio show. Yeah. You know, look, which, by the way, is right on here on, on one of my sta- on many of my oh, stations. Oh, good. Okay. Well, <laughs> there you go. Guy, but, All right, Julie, uh, I got like 30 yeah. seconds left with you. I told you this would go fast. Let's talk. All right. Let's plug you at Julie Rojinski on Twitter. Okay. Uh, and that's R O J R O G. R O G I N S K Y. And more importantly, we have a Prince's Bride segment one day where we just sit there and discuss my new detail, the Prince's Bride, because that's how she. That's your first mistake. You going Princess Bride quotes with a Sicilian. <laughs> <laughs> Julie, you are the best. Don't forget Salty Thank Politics you. on YouTube and Saltier Politics coming soon. I'll tweet about it. Julie, I love you. Thanks for joining me. 
Taking your calls, other side of the break, 631-451-1039. You're listening to The Chris Hodge Show, and I'll be right back. Don't like what you hear? Grow a pair. Pick up the phone and try to tell him why he's wrong. The Chris Hahn Show. All right. I'm back. I'm live. I'm taking your call. 631-451-1039 is my number. I will be on uh, Saturday night in my regular spot, 930 Fox News, Justice with Judge Janine, and then uh, 10 o'clock on Tuesday with Ingram, not Monday this week, Monday's Labor Day. Have a happy Labor Day weekend. Uh, 631-451-1039 is my number if you want to be part of the national conversation. Don't forget to catch the Mike Biddleman Show yes. Sunday night, 730. Sunday, 730. You will not have, I hear you. All right. You will not have Taylor Swift on. Not yet. No. Next month, hopefully. Because I, I don't know about <laughs> you, but I'm feeling 22. I'm yeah. just saying. I think it's. I think that's a pretty damn good song. I, nice. I, was, I was listening to it yesterday with my 11 year old. That's uh, cool. So, and I, I feel I might add it to my run mix. I don't know. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's upbeat, up there. It kind of like nice song. I don't. She's good. She's the, the the woman. I hear she sold an album or two. I don't know. <laughs> you learn things. Just like I'm two, discovering exactly. Taylor two. Swift now. Mm-hmm. I'm like the last person in America. Six three one four five one one zero three nine. So. If you really wanted to know um, how bad the president was, how bad a person he was, the death of John McCain should have at least illustrated it to you somewhat. I mean, all he had to do was be a normal human being. Act normal for one minute and not like a petulant child. Somebody who you didn't always agree with, who most of America adores, died. He's dead. And the president couldn't do it. This is why Republicans in this midterm election are so out of their mind, afraid of what's going to happen. I mean, and and Julie hit the nail on the head. We're either going to miss it by one vote or we're going to take 60 seats or something like that. 40 seats. We're going to have a landslide or we're going to miss it by one or two. They're deadly afraid because even in a moment where it should be easy, where all the president has to do, the press is asking, Mr. President, what do you think of John McCain? All he had to do was say, I had a lot of respect for John McCain. I didn't always agree with him, but he was clearly a hero. He, he dedicated his life to service of this country. And I, I extend my, my, my thoughts and prayers to his family. That's it. Instead, he doesn't say anything. He remains silent. He does this act where, you know, on, on the night the guy died, they lowered the flag at the White House, but then at midnight, that's, uh, they, they raised the flag back up because the president didn't want the flag. Clearly, the president gave the order to raise the flag back up. And then the American Legion and others got on the president's case about it, and they lowered the flag to half-mast in honor of John McCain. Now, I didn't always agree with John McCain, I probably disagreed with John McCain more than I agreed with John McCain, but there were many times I agreed with John McCain. I never once in my entire life questioned John McCain's patriotism. I blame John McCain for Sarah Palin. Blame him. His fault. Buck stops with him. 
him and Steve Schmidt. And I know Steve Schmidt's getting a lot of praise in liberal circles right now. He was probably more responsible for Sarah Palin than anybody else. Other than John McCain. But John McCain was a good man. He was somebody you could disagree with and then maybe agree with on another thing, which is what's supposed to happen in the Senate. You're not always supposed to agree. I worked there. I worked in the Senate at a time where people would actually cross the aisle. Chuck Schumer, as I said earlier in the show, who uh, is sponsoring legislation to name the Russell Senate office building after John McCain, which will absolutely pass the Senate. We worked on many pieces of legislation with John McCain and his staff. I met him. Can't say I know him. Can't say I spent a lot of time with him, but I've met him over the years. And he was a great man. And had he won the Republican nomination in 2000, I think we would have a different world right now than the one we are living in. I think that George W. Bush was, uh, again, not a, a bad human being, but un prepared to be president of the United States, particularly on foreign policy. And I think John McCain would have uh, done a better job, reacted differently to 9-11, and, and you know, fought wars that were necessary but not unnecessary wars like Iraq. So watching the president go through his hysteria uh, over the weekend and then on Monday on John McCain. It just, just really took him 48 hours to put out an official statement. He, he tweeted something, just disrespecting somebody in death. Somebody who was a war hero, who was a senator, who fought for his country, who was his party's standard bearer, who is admired by people of all political stripes, watching the president of the United States, just, it's just another example. It's another, it's another reason I point to where I say to people, how do you, how do you put up with this? How do you still support this man in these times? And John McCain was a great man. John McCain wouldn't burn down the country to win an election. And that was very, very evident in 2008 when he ran against Barack Obama. And, and throughout that campaign, there were all these rumors about Obama and all these, this whisper campaign to try to discredit him. And when McCain was confronted by it in town halls, he reacted the way an American should react. You don't demonize your opponent. They are your opponent, not your enemy. And, the, and, and John McCain knew the difference between his political opponent and an enemy. And he knew that Barack Obama was not his enemy. He also knew that Barack Obama was probably going to be president of the United States. He wasn't a dumb man. He wasn't a kind of guy who would be willfully ignorant to the polls. So I always point to this as my favorite John McCain moment. 
probably, I think, the quintessential defining moment of John McCain, of who he was as a politician. Can you play the clip for me, Mike? And uh, frankly, we're, we're scared. Um, we're scared of an Obama presidency. First of all, I want to be president of the United States, and obviously I do not want Senator Obama to be. But I have to tell you, I have to tell you, he is a decent person and a person that you do not have to be scared as president of the United States. Now, I, I just, now I just, now, now look, I, I, if I didn't think I wouldn't be one heck of a lot better president, I wouldn't be running, okay? And that's the point, that's, that's the point. Um, I gotta ask you a question. I do not uh, believe in, I can't trust Obama. I, I have read about him, and he's not, he's not, he's a, um, he's an Arab. He is not. No, ma'am. No, no, no ma'am. No, ma'am. He's a, he's a, he's a decent family man, citizen that I just happen to have disagreements with on, on fundamental issues, and that's what this campaign is all about. He's not. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I, I, I got to tell you, I. Every time I hear that or see that clip, both of those questions, you know, we always go to the little old lady acting like a fool. But the guy's question was pretty bad, too. It wasn't as bad. It was pretty bad. And John McCain's response was that of a patriot. John McCain's response was that of an American. I don't know if we're ever going to get there again in our politics where it is not this, you know, win at all costs, total war, your opponent's the devil politics that we have now inherited in this nation. And John McCain may be the last of his breed. Somebody who will defend his opponent's integrity in a, in a room full of his own supporters. especially knowing that he was going to lose. No, he wasn't going to go for the sensational headline. He wasn't going to go for the total war as this petulant child we have in the White House has done. He defended the integrity of his opponent. And I can think of nothing more patriotic than that. We're all Americans. I might have a different way of running things and a different priority than somebody on the right, but I don't think that they're my enemies. And that's the way John McCain lived his life and ran his career. He lived it. He may have disagreed and he would fight mightily for his point of view. And I'm never, ever going to say to you, America, that you shouldn't fight mightily for your point of view. You shouldn't argue your point. You shouldn't defend your position. But this demonization of the other side has got to stop. And that's what John McCain was about. I see that clip and I get choked up. I got choked up a little just listening to it. It's not because it's so profound. It's because it's just gone. 
It is gone from our politics. I ran for office when I was a kid. I lost. I had a knockdown, drag out campaign. Wasn't that negative, but it was hard for it. Hard fought. My opponent wasn't supposed to be my opponent. I was supposed to run against his mother. His mother died before the election, so I wound up running against her son. And it was a very close election, closer than it should have been. It was an uphill fight for me, for sure. When the campaign was over, bought a bottle of champagne, went over to my opponent's house, said, congratulations. If there's anything I could do to help you, do not hesitate to call me. Been friends with that guy ever since. We don't need to hate each other in politics. We don't need to demonize. You know, not every progressive is a socialist communist. Not every conservative is a fascist. We don't have to hate. We're all Americans. Our principles, our founding principles, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, we all share those. We might have different paths to achieving them, but those are our underlying goals as Americans. We all believe that. And that's the point of John McCain. You know, they're burying John McCain this week. Been watching the tributes to him. I've been watching Joe, Ma- Joe Biden, Larry Fitzgerald, the great Arizona Cardinal wide receiver who is on my fantasy team again. Uh, you know, they eulogized him in Arizona, and there'll be a big ceremony tomorrow in Washington, D.C., and it should be pointed out that the two presidents eulogizing John McCain are two people who beat him. George W. Bush, who beat him in a primary and went on to become president of the United States, and Barack Obama, who beat him in the general election. I, 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 I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch it. I really don't. I'm going to watch the highlights because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be too depressing. And it's not because a man is dead. The man has been dying for a year. He's been in pain. Uh, my cousin died of a similar cancer. Uh, it's not because a man is dead. It's because the idea of comity in government in this country is dying with him. I mean, he's not dead yet, but it is getting darn, darn close to being dead. 631-451-1039. I do have a call on this. Let me go to Colin Medford. Colin, how you doing? You're on the air. Hey, um, how's it going? It's going good, man. What's on your mind? Yeah, I, yeah, I just wanted to call in, uh, you know, just basically about the president. You know, I just I just can't believe that, you know, he he has been disrespectful as he has been to John McCain. You know, he's he's been uh, a prisoner of war. Yeah. And for, for that level of disrespect, it's just really awful. And, you know... I just don't think he deserves, you know, a second uh, election. Well, I mean, it goes to the president's 
thin, you know, how thin his skin is, right? I think there's a certain amount of jealousy about John McCain uh, that the president has. You know, even though the president has achieved a higher level of government than John McCain ever did, uh, John McCain ran for president twice, didn't win. Uh, Donald Trump went, ran once and won. And, and yet the president's jealous of John McCain because he sees how people respect John McCain, even people who disagree with him, whereas this president has a hard time even getting people who agree with him to respect him. I think that's what it boils down to, Colin. Right, yeah. And, and the thing is, like, I, I know that the, the majority of people, you know, really, really didn't want uh, Trump to be president, you know, yeah. just the electoral college, you know, and everything that, but that works. But, you know, it should open some other people's eyes in this world, you know, to see what has perspired from what he hasn't uh, promised to other people and just to, just to see the level of disrespect that he has towards people that, you know, they, they thought he was going to uphold. I hear you. Thanks for your call, Colin. And that's the thing, you know, the, who does this president respect other than Vladimir Putin? Who does he respect? He can't respect the dead. And, and this is what I keep saying to you out there. You know, this goes out to my friend Michelle in St. James and her daughter Ashley. This president can't respect a war hero. He can't respect a senator who was the first to endorse him, Jeff Sessions. How do you think he's going to respect you? What do you think the president's going to do for you when the chips are down? And it's you or him. How do you think he's going to respect you? How do you think he's going to choose you over him? Ever. Where he can't say something nice about John McCain until he's forced to do it by his press team. He raises the flag. I mean, it was just a petulant child move it's like every day it's a parade of horribles with this guy i don't know how this country i don't know how he's at 41 percent. i really don't i i mean i get why he might be at 30 percent. the tribalism in this country which we're just talking about no he wasn't a perfect man john mccain disagree with him on a lot of things Sarah Palin, probably the thing I disagree with him most about and blame him for the most, which may have triggered some of this national, I I can't say it triggered it. I think Newt Gingrich started it in 1994. You want to get in here, Mike? No, I was just thinking about the whole Sarah Palin thing, and I was like, no Sarah Palin, we don't have Tina Fey. That's true. You know? Well, we'd have Tina Fey. Well, yes, but I thought, was she on Weekend Update have... before or yeah, after? Yeah, she had actually left Saturday Night Live. And I came, came out, back came back to, to do Palin? All right, all right, there we yeah. go. All right, my bad. Yeah, no, no. I, Crossed would, my timelines. It would, be, it would be Tina Fey's best impression. Oh, yes. <laughs> we would have lost Spot on that. image, yeah. Spot on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I blame him for that. I don't blame Sarah Palin totally for the breakdown in civility in our politics. I really don't. I blame Newt Gingrich. I think Newt Gingrich is the one who started it. I think he total war, nationalizing congressional campaigns, total war, you know, impeaching Bill Clinton over oral sex while you're divorcing your wife while she's sitting in the hospital to go be with your intern. That, to me, America, sums up the last 25 years of the Republican Party. All ethics all the time, 
but no ethics in themselves. And they and their biggest hero right now is Donald Trump, who they say, eh, who cares what's in the safe? Who cares that he has five kids with three different women? Who cares that he had unprotected sex with a porn star a couple of weeks after his, uh, his youngest son was born? Who cares? He's going to give us conservative judges. We shouldn't hate each other. We need to be civil. If you do anything to remember John McCain, say something nice about somebody you disagree with politically the next couple of weeks. All right, America. It's all the time we have left. And I want to thank you all for listening. Thank Julie Rajinsky for uh, joining me and thank all my callers. And I will remind you all to seek the truth. Question everything, question everyone, even me, America. Seek the truth. I know it's out there and I know you'll find it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening, America. Wish our weekdays away. Spin our weekends in bed. We drink ourselves stupid. Chris Hahn Show podcast is recorded live at 103.9 FM in New York at Long Island News Radio. This podcast was sent to Face Off Unlimited headquarters in Astoria, Queens, and was edited by Joe Tex. Executive producers are Joe Tex, Jay Painter, and Eric Robinson. FOU Studios is a property of Face Off Unlimited, LLC. I'm Peter Hargarden, the senior producer of podcasts here, and on behalf of everyone who worked on the show, we'd like to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. Subscribe to catch all of our other podcasts here on the FOU Studios Podcast Network. To learn more about Chris and to find out about his upcoming television appearances, follow him on Twitter at Christopher Hahn and at ChristopherHahn.com. To learn more about FOU, connect with us via social media at FOU Studios and visit us at FOUStudios.com. 